About 17 years ago, I almost threw away my faith. I grew up in church and much of the Christianity I was presented as a teenager, it wasn't working. I was restless. I had a lot of questions. My heart and my head wanted to challenge or deconstruct a particular set of beliefs I held about God, Jesus, and the Bible. The next year, I walked into a new church, a church that was way different than the one I grew up at, and I met two new friends, Doug and Scott. As our friendships grew and a trust developed, I began asking them the questions I was afraid to ask anyone else. Questions like, is God real? And if he is, can I trust him? Is the Bible trustworthy? And what difference does Jesus really make in my life? I was scared to ask those questions because I thought I couldn't. Was this new church and these new friends a safe space to ask hard questions? And I was also scared to ask questions because they were disorienting. Could my faith withstand these questions? And would I be comfortable with anywhere my doubt would take me? Well, Northside family, it is good to be with you today. And we know we have a number of people watching online right now. Can we just welcome them into the room and just say, hey, welcome to you, wherever you are, whatever state or country you're in right now. And uh, my name is Nate, one of the pastors, and so good to be with you. And I'm really, really glad that you chose to be here today because we're going to talk about uh, a pretty big issue that a lot of times some people are scared to bring up in church. Uh, maybe we're just embarrassed to admit that, like Dale, we carry some doubts. And uh, Dale is actually our communications director here, does an incredible job. And uh, this is the thing that I love about Dale is this. Not only is he here on staff, uh, but the thing that I love the most about him is just his honesty and his openness, and here we are 17 years later, he's in ministry doing God's work, and we celebrate with him, but I've gotta believe, where would Dale be if 17 years ago he didn't face his doubts? That where would he be today? And not only that, for some of us in this room, you're wrestling with doubts, or you're online, and you got questions, and you got doubts, and I just wanna let you know today, your doubts are welcomed here. And here's what I mean, Jesus meets us right where we are with the questions that we have, but not only that, if you heard in Dale's story is this, that Jesus says, come on with your questions. I love what I heard one time in Bible college, it said this about the truth, it said the truth never fears investigation. That when we have the truth of Jesus, Jesus never fears any question that comes. But if you heard Dale's story, this is what I love, Dale had two friends that he could go to who could handle his questions. And I want to remind you today of your calling. It's not just for some of us in this room that maybe we do have questions and we do have doubts, but I want to remind you of your calling that God is using you and I to come along people, to come around people, to go, let me help you with the questions you have about Jesus. That, that he has called you and I to help people unravel the knots that they have in their life. That's why we're doing this whole series called Tied Up in Knots because everybody in this place, we get tied up in knots. We, we talked a couple weeks ago where Jesus says, we get tied up with worry and he goes, do not worry. Two weeks ago, my dad did a phenomenal job talking about do not judge. For some of us in this room, we, we feel like we have the spiritual gift of judgment. We're like, well, I'm really, really good at that. that that's not actually a spiritual gift, right? And, and what happens is Jesus says, I want to untie those knots because it's easy for us just to go around and being so cynical and just destroying everybody. And Jesus says, no, I want to untie that knot in your life. And last week, we talked about do not sin. And Jesus points us through Jim's sermon about the idea of the way that you and I can move away from sin in the way of Jesus. 
And Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. He knows that his followers are tied up in knots. They have all sorts of questions, all sorts of doubts, just like you and I do. And listen to what he says in John chapter 8, verse 31. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. If you hold to my teachings, and then he goes on to say this, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Everybody say it together. Free. See, Jesus has come to unravel what's unraveling us. The things that hold us up, the things that bind us up. He's come to unravel today. We're going to be talking about how Jesus has come to set us free in the midst of our doubts. That you and I are going to live full of doubts. You and I, no matter how long we follow Christ, we are going to carry doubts. We're going to face doubts. Sometimes, here's the thing about for us as followers of Jesus, sometimes we're doubting and we don't even know it. And we say stuff like this. You know, for some of you here today and you love the idea of maybe becoming a Christ follower, but you're going, man, if this place really knew what I've done, they wouldn't let me in that baptistry. What we say is this, doubt it. We say that phrase, doubt it. I doubt it. And some of you here, we talk about we want to raise up leaders here and equip you to do the work of ministry. And you're like, Nate, Jesus may want to save me because I know I'm sinful, but there is no way that Jesus wants to use me in his kingdom. I doubt it. And we use that phrase sometimes unconsciously. We just say, I just doubt it. I I doubt that God wants to do that. For some of you are thinking, you're like, oh, you know, since there's chilling on the patio afterwards, I bet Nate will preach a short sermon today doubt it. I've had two weeks to prepare for this bad boy, right? You know, I'm ready to go. No, no, no. I'm, I love chili, so we're going to end early today. And, uh, but unconsciously, sometimes thoughts will come up in our mind and we'll just immediately deflect them because we'll go, doubt it. Doubt it. Had a great friend, Joe Norman, after a sermon a couple weeks ago when we started this series, she gave me this news clipping article and it was called The Knots Prayer. And listen to what it said about this. It says this. This is the knots prayer. It says, dear God, please untie the knots that are in my mind, my heart, and my life. Remove the have nots, can nots, and the do nots that I have in my mind. Erase the will nots, may nots, might nots that may find a home in my heart. Release me from the could nots, would nots, should nots that obstruct my life. Yes, Dr. Seuss wrote this prayer. I don't know. And then it says this. And most of all, Lord, remove the am-nots that I've allowed to hold me back, especially the thought that in Christ I am not good enough. We're tied up in knots. And there's this whole thing that God is working in us through our doubts. For some of you in this place, you, you, you doubt things, and it's not because you doubt God, it's because that's your personality, you, you, you're just wired that way. You're, you're kind of a, a skeptic where you're going, I can't believe anything until I have evidence. And some people have made you feel guilty about that. No, you don't need to feel guilty about that. That's called just being an engineer, right? You know, you're going, until I have evidence, I can't believe it. One of the things that I love when I got to Bible college, I'm more of a feeler than a thinker, right? You know, and, and, and I need to think well, but I, and I love just to, to, to come around people and love people and help people. But I had a, a professor in Bible college and he really opened me up to this idea of wrestling with doubt. Because I didn't realize even in Bible college, there were some doubts that I carried. And uh, he was the, the professor of apologetics talking about how we can defend our faith. And he loves it because he's wired this way. He, he's like, if I don't have an answer, if I can't get evidence, I can't believe it. 
He went on to even create an app called Room for Doubt. You can go check it out, it's a free app. He's created a curriculum, all this other stuff, and people write in questions about their doubts and he responds to it. You can write questions in to him. He's got a whole staff. And what he's doing is this, because he's wired this way, he wants to help people find the truth and the evidence of Jesus. That you can actually trust the Bible. That we can know that God is actually real, that he's created us for a relationship. But, but not only that, some of us have a personality where we lean towards doubt. We're just skeptical, but sometimes we lean towards doubt because of what we've been through personally. We've been through suffering in life, and we go, why? And because we might not have the answers, we begin to doubt. We doubt, God, where were you? We doubt, God, why would you let me go through that? And maybe it not, might not be that you personally have gone through some things that have created doubt. You may wrestle with self-doubt. That internally, it's just the way you wired. You doubt yourself. You doubt everybody else. You doubt your spouse. You doubt your family. And there's something deeper going on inside of us. So today, we want to ask the question, what do we do with our doubts? The Lord wanted us to know that he's with us right now with the rain, right? He's like, do not doubt. I am here, right? We, we hear the rain. But what do we do with our doubts? And not only that question, but how does God feel about our doubts? Ever ask that question? How does God feel about our doubts? Here's the problem. A lot of times that I've wrestled with doubts is this. I've acknowledged doubts in my own life. And when I look at the scripture, here's the immediate assumption I put on scripture. I know I wrestle with doubt, but I guarantee you nobody in the Bible wrestled with doubt. But what happens is this. When you and I begin to open the word of God, here's what I found out. I don't know if you know this. 100% of everybody who followed Jesus at one point in time doubted him. 100%, right? Some of you went, oh, okay, good, right? Okay, good. I'm not alone here today. Yeah, 100% of all of his followers at one point in time doubted him. Actually, in Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of Matthew 28, right before he gives the Great Commission, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's died for the sins of the world. He's risen from the dead. He's overcome sin and death. And he goes and he tells his disciples, he goes, go and get all the disciples. Go and get all the followers. Meet me up on the mountaintop. Because what he's about ready to do is he's about ready to give them a commission. He's saying, I'm gonna go, I want you to go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. He's about ready to commission all of his disciples. And this is what it says right before that, Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. This is what it says. It says, when his disciples saw Jesus, they worshiped him. You're Jesus. And then the very next phrase, but some doubted. Can you put yourself in Jesus's sandals at that moment, right? Not shoes. But he's gone to the cross, he's risen from the dead, and his followers doubt him. See, oftentimes we think we're the only ones who have ever doubted Jesus. Or we're the only ones that somehow can't get this figured out. What happens is when you and I look at the Bible and we study all of the story of scripture, there was doubts all over the place. When God called Abraham to go and be his nation, Abraham just laughed at him because he was almost 100 years old, him and his wife. And God says, I'm going to bless you with the family. They're like, we're 100. What are you thinking? Matter of fact, they named their kid Isaac. You know what the word Isaac means? 
laughter. Abraham's like, there ain't no way this is happening. God's like, I know, but I'm God, right? And I know at the very beginning, God wants to bless them. He goes, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. God goes after Moses after he's messed everything up and he goes into hiding for 40 years and he goes, Moses, I want to use you. And he responds back, oh God, you can't use me. God always uses doubters to deliver his good news. See, this is the good news of Jesus, that God is always at work through you and I. Matter of fact, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, in his most pivotal moment where God was working through him, he gets put in jail and he begins to question his faith and he sends his disciples to Jesus and he asks this question, are you really the one? Because life is getting hard, are you really the one? Jesus' own cousin doubted him. And he finds Jesus to be faithful and true. You know, John 3.16, we love to quote it today, this afternoon, you'll turn on football. I guarantee you somebody, probably the Bengals, because they need Jesus, right? You know, we'll have the sign up there, right? John 3.16. And no, 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 we all can We all can be a fans of them, right? And, you know, and this thing is, you'll see John 3.16, and my thought is this, Jesus is probably preaching that to the masses, and everybody comes forward. And when you read John 3.16, you know who Jesus is talking to? Nicodemus, a man who had questions and doubted who Jesus was. You know who Jesus gives John 3.16 to? A doubter. The book of Luke and Acts, 20% of the entire New Testament is written to one man, Theophilus. And you know what the premise is? Luke is writing because Theophilus is full of questions and doubts. Here's what Jesus is pointing out to us today and what we're going to find in Matthew chapter 14. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down is this. This is what we need to understand about doubt when we look at Jesus and we look at the Bible. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is part of the journey of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, but it is part of the journey of faith. That Jesus welcomes our doubts, just like you heard in Dale. We bring our doubts, we bring our questions, because it's not the opposite of faith. That's what Satan wants us to believe. He wants you and I to believe that if we doubt him, something must be wrong with us. And Jesus doesn't want us if we have doubts. No, no, no. What we find today, what we're going to find in Matthew chapter 14 is this, is that doubt is not the opposite of faith, but it's part of the journey of our faith. And here's what he's doing in doubt. This is what we're going to find in doubt is this. Jesus wants us to get something out of the doubt. That when you and I doubt, Jesus wants us to get something out of it. That is the tension. That is the place that God wants to work the most. If you have doubts about the scripture, Jesus wants to work through his scriptures to show you how they can be trustworthy and real. If you have doubts about God's work in your life, he wants to work in those doubts. He wants you and I to get something out of the doubt. In Matthew chapter 14, what we're going to find is this. Jesus wants us to get three things out of the doubts here. What's amazing is this, even if, even if you just focused on Matthew chapter 14, one chapter in the Bible, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find a roller coaster of doubt. At the very end of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was doing ministry in his hometown, and then it said this, his own hometown took offense at him. They doubted him. They didn't put their faith in him. See, the Savior that we follow was rejected in his hometown. 
Right after that, what we find is this. John the Baptist, his cousin, the one who started and went ahead of Jesus' ministry, is in jail. And what ends up happening is he gets his head cut off for preaching the truth of God. Goes through hardship. Right after that, Jesus goes away because he's full of sorrows. He begins to pray and a crowd shows up. And he tells his disciples, you give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, I know you're Jesus, but we have five loaves and two fish. I don't know if you're good at math, Jesus, but that's not going to work out. We got 5,000 people. They began to doubt him in the, mo- in the midst of that. And what they saw was this God being faithful. And what we're going to find today is this. Jesus sends them out on a boat. And while he sends his disciples out on the boat, a big storm comes up. Some of you today, you got a storm going on in your life. And you feel all alone and the waves are crashing in and you've lost your bearings and your compass, you can't find which way is what and the wind is coming in. And what happens here in Matthew chapter 14 is in the middle of the storm, when they are losing their mind, Jesus comes walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. Listen to what it says in verse 27. His disciples are there and it says, they began to cry out in fear and it says in verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Next weekend, we're gonna wrap up this series and we're gonna talk about do not fear on Halloween, right? Here we go, right? You know, it's gonna be a good weekend next weekend. But Jesus in this moment, he says, do not be afraid. And in verse 28, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And I love Jesus. He goes, well, come on, homeboy. Right? I'm out here, man. Come on. The water feels great. And it says this, that Peter begins to walk on water. He got out of the boat and he walked on water and he goes towards Jesus. But in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know, what's interesting here in this passage is this. There's other places that Jesus says, do not doubt. But the reason why we picked this passage today is this. Jesus doesn't just say, if you have doubts, don't doubt. What Jesus gets at is this question is this. This is why we need to pay attention to his words. If you notice, he didn't say, Peter, don't doubt. What did he say? Why did you doubt? See, Jesus always wants to go deeper in our doubts He always wants to get beneath the layers of going, why do you and I doubt him sometimes? Sometimes we don't even know why. Sometimes we just have the feeling of doubt, but we don't even know why we doubt. And he wants today to get something out of our doubt. He wants in this moment right here with Peter, he wants Peter to get something out of his doubt. He wants to grow Peter in his faith. He wants you and I to grow in our faith today. And here's the first thing we got to understand of what God wants to get out of our doubt is this, is that Jesus isn't done when we doubt. Some of us, we go, no, we think when we doubt, we're out. Jesus says this, I'm not done with you when you doubt. What the scriptures say, when Peter began to sink, what did it say? It said, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. That immediately when Peter began to doubt Jesus, 
Immediately he reaches out and then it says this, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Meaning this, Jesus didn't look at Peter sinking in the water and go, you can swim back to shore, young man, (laughs) right? I'm not putting you back in this boat. What does Jesus do? He sees him sinking in the water. Immediately he reaches down and then it said, then they got in the boat. See, when you and I doubt, Jesus isn't done with us. He's not done with us. We might be done with ourselves, but Jesus isn't done with us. I love the Apostle Paul. He's so honest. This is why a lot of times what we need to do is when we're doubting, we need to read scripture that deals with suffering and with doubt and have the truth of God speak into us. And I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. He begins to talk about his suffering. He begins to talk about his hardship, the places where he doubt. And listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He said, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered. See, this is why we read the Bible. They don't hold anything back. He goes, we don't want you to be uninformed. We've gone through some hardship in the province of Asia. He said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. See, some of us feel like we have to have it all together. Paul goes, I didn't have anything together. I had so much pressure. It was far beyond anything I could endure. And then he goes on to say this, so much so that we despaired even of life. Can you say that? The apostle Paul did spared even of life. He said, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So here's the good news today. You may feel done, be done, or regret what you've done, but Jesus is never done with you and I, amen? This is the good news that we have when we wrestle through the doubt. Paul says it, he goes, I've gone through that. I despaired of life. I didn't have what it took, but this happened so I wouldn't rely on myself, but I would rely on the one who raises the dead, that we would rely on the one who picks up Peter when he's sinking in the water. Today, you may be sinking, and Jesus is going, no, I've called you to come pick you up so you can walk with me. See, Jesus walks with us through our doubt, and he holds us together. And he wants us to get something out of the doubt. But here's the thing we got to pay attention if we're not careful. This is why this matters. Because if we're not careful, doubt can take us out. Doubt can take us out. Maybe for some of you in this room or you're watching online, it's been a while since you've tuned in or you've opened your life to Jesus because doubt has taken you out. And doubt can begin to move his away. This is what happened in Peter in this moment. He began to doubt and he thought his life was over. Later on, you'll see Peter doubt at the cross. He denies Jesus three times. And if you know the story of Peter, it's an incredible story of redemption because when he failed Jesus after denying him three times, this is what he thought. He's like, it's all over. And if you know anything about his story, this is what he does. Jesus says, I want you to go and start the church. I want you to lead my church. And he doesn't do it. You remember what he did after he failed? He goes back to fishing. See, here's what happens when you and I start believing the doubt more than we believe that Jesus isn't done with us. We go back to the old things that we knew. We go back to the old relationships that we know aren't healthy, but we doubt God would provide anything in the future for us. 
We go back to the old addictions in our life. Because right now, life is tough. And we just want some relief from the pain. Had a buddy a number of years ago. I could tell some things were off, and he, he wanted to meet. And so we met, and I was excited to sit down and talk with him just to hear what was going on. And uh, he said, man, some things have been going on in my life. And I said, yeah, I, I could tell kind of, you know, it just, it, things just didn't look like they were going well. And he's like, no, you know. You know, I've just not been happy in, in the marriage I'm in, and my wife hasn't been happy. And, and then he said this, and you know, God wants me to be happy. And I was just waiting for it. He goes, so I'm filing for divorce, you know, because God wants me to be happy. And what we were meeting about was this. He wanted my blessing for his divorce. In that moment, I'm going, doubt is taking you out. See, this is the problem. It's not that we doubt. It's that when you and I begin to doubt, what voice are we listening to? Satan loves to lie to us, and he loves to lie through the doubts. This is how he lied to Adam and Eve. Did God really say you'd die? What he was saying is this. You just need to doubt God. When he tempted Jesus, if you are the son of God, I don't think you are. Do you think you are? What he wants to do is he wants to plant these doubts. He wants to take us away from this. And this is the dark side of doubt. It comes into our life and things begin to mess around. And in this moment, this is why we got to pay attention to what Jesus does in the midst of our doubt. He is there reaching down and picking us up and saying, no, I want you to walk with you through whatever storm you're going through. I don't want you to think that I've left you behind. I am right here picking you up, walking with you. Because here's what Jesus wants us to get out of doubt today, is that doubt ultimately comes down to a person. In that conversation with my friend, he wasn't going to come down to God and his word of what God says about marriage and divorce. What he was coming down to was this. His doubt was going to come down to him and his interpretation of what God wants for his life. Doubt ultimately comes down to a person. This is why it said when they got into the boat, it said this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then it said those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. For them, doubt came down to a person. It came down to Jesus, where they said, Jesus, we believe you are trustworthy and you are true that you are worthy of our worship, that Jesus, no matter what we're going through, you are worth it and you are true and we are gonna allow you to lead. I was hanging out with a buddy this week and had another friend walk out and he kind of looked down and defeated a little bit and uh, we said, what's going on? He goes, well, been watching cable news again. And then he said this, he goes, and now I'll be depressed for the next 24 hours, <laughs> right? And what he was ultimately saying is this, what voice am I gonna listen to? What voice am I going to worship? What voice am I going to let lead my life? And in this moment, in the midst of the, the messy doubt, Jesus picks up Peter, and on the boat, the wind dies down, and they begin to go, okay, I've been wrestling. I know I failed, but Jesus, you're not done with me. You've pulled me back into the boat. And they worshiped him. And they said, truly, you are the son of the living God. How do we process when doubt 
comes up. Here's what you need to know. Since doubt is not the opposite faith, it's part of our journey of faith, how do we process that? What we find in this passage is this. This is what Peter did. When you find yourself doubting, when I find myself doubting, this is what we need to do. We need to make our doubts known to Jesus. So Peter does. You know what he says here? It's real theologically deep. Help! <laughs> right? He literally says this, Lord, save me. Man, when doubt comes up, God, I doubt you, you want to do anything good in my life. God, I doubt that you want to save me. All we need to start saying is this, Lord, save me from those thoughts. Lord, save me. God, I'm thinking about the things I've done in the past. I'm letting those things define me more than I'm letting you define me. God, save me. Lord, save me. See, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to seek and to save those who are wrestling with their doubt. Why? Because he's the only one who can handle the doubt. He's the only one who can pick us up. He's the only one that can walk with us through our doubts. Sometimes, you know what we need to let Jesus do? We need his help to doubt our doubts. So Jesus does. He helps us to walk through this, to process this. And for those of you here today, I want to invite you, wherever you're doubting, to let that doubt be known to Jesus. But not just to Jesus. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Let your doubt be known to maybe one or two other Christians that you can trust. That was Dale's story. Wrestling with doubt, sinking in the waves of questions, and he just reached out. And what we find 17 years later is this, a follower of Jesus. What you find 20 years later in the life of Peter is this, a man who fails here and he fails again at the cross, and even he'll struggle with different things, but going on 20 years later, what you find is this, Peter writes the book of 1 Peter. And you know why he writes it? Because there's other Christians who are wrestling with doubt. And he goes, I want you to be sure of your faith. See, sometimes we doubt. God wants us to use us because we doubt. Actually, God wants to use you because he wants to do something through you into the life of others, which means this. Not only do we need to make our doubts known to Jesus, here's the other thing. Don't be done with those who doubt. There's a new legalism that's going on in the culture today where if you mess up, what do they do to you? Cancel. You go out. And now we're like, oh, nobody can mess up. Everybody walks on eggshells. And all it is is this. It's a brand new legalism. It's brand new legalism. And it's not grace. And it's not mercy. And the church is full of grace and truth. You know what Jesus did with Peter and his failure? He picked him up and he put him back in the boat. And he said, Peter, I want you to grow in your faith. I love this scripture. It's in Jude, verse 22, because the early church dealt with doubt. People were wrestling with their faith. And listen to what Jude, verse 22 says. It says this, be merciful to those who doubt. You know what that means in the Greek? Be merciful to those who doubt, right? You're like, oh, no, no, no. It means this. When we come across people who might be deconstructing their faith right now, you know what God wants us to do? Be merciful. 
listen, love, walk with them, and help point them to Jesus. See, that's what Jesus did in that moment with Peter. You're sinking, let me give you mercy and pull you back into the boat. Here's what I love about our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Monday nights, helps people with hurts, habits, and hangups. This is what I love about it. It's a national, uh, uh, all, all sorts of curriculum that we do, and it's biblically based, focused on Christ. And this is what I love about it. They have a stipulation that if you're going to lead Celebrate Recovery, here's the only thing. You have to be a recovering addict because this is what they know. If you're not a recovering addict, guess what? You can't help anybody else who's in recovery. Today, if you're a recovering doubter, guess what? God wants to do something out of the doubt. He's calling you and I to give mercy to a world that's wrestling with doubt. And what we find is this, Jesus in this moment, restoring a doubter and putting him back on the journey of faith. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you don't give up on us. Father, even in the midst of some deep questions and wrestling right now in this room and for folks online, that Jesus, there's nothing that's too difficult for you. There's nothing that's too big for you, but you meet us right where we are. And Father, you pick us up and you walk with us. Jesus, we pray for those today who are wrestling with some deep questions. Father, today would they know your truth and Father, would their heart be set free. But Jesus, not only would we know you, Jesus, would you fill us with your compassion to help others so that they can know you. Jesus, we believe that this is your church, that you are the Lord over our lives, and we worship you with all of our lives. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen.